Polygonometry Halloween Special. I am your host, the Crypt Keeper. Today's episode, I am joined by a crowd favorite of the Polygonometry Podcast, Fraser McMinn. He and I take a deep dive into all the things that are spooky and scary that have happened to Mormons over the course of the history of the church. Fuck, he's calling me right now. Shit, I need to fucking answer this. But basically, we talk about like all the cool things that happen uh, when the various things that happen to Mormon people. Give me one second. Here he is. Something went wrong. Uh, we'll get... We'll get, we'll get back to you on that. Uh, anyway, there's a lot of different things that happen in throughout Mormon history, and so we dig a deep dive into all the things possession. We talk about Wilford Woodruff and how he got in a fist fight with Satan himself. Satan. A good friend of mine. And he can be your friend. So thank you for joining me in the Polygonometry Halloween Special. <laughs> should we should we start with a prayer? You know what? I think it, it, it I think it'd be best to start with a prayer. We're gonna be talking about uh, you know some pretty some some serious things, and so I want to make sure mm -hmm. that we are protected. I'm wearing my garments. Yep. Are you wearing your garments? Yep. Oh, you, I'm wearing two. You're wearing both. You're double. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're double bagging the garments. Mm -hmm. I'm, <laughs> I'm double garment. You're, you're double garmented. Uh, yeah, I'm getting my booster in another six months. <laughs> be like the midsection. Uh, but uh, since it is Halloween, I appreciate you. Uh, you know. You know, maybe before we get started uh, with the prayer, I want to let you know that uh, my culture is not your Halloween costume, dude. Okay. Hey, hey. You showing up uh, here? Well, I was. Uh, you know what? You had a good idea with the whole white shirt and black tie thing, but then you wear it, and I'm just like, hey, you know what? I see where you're going for. I see it's tongue in cheek. I see you're trying to be, you know, kind of fun or whatever. My culture is not edgy. your. Maybe I'm trying to be edgy. Oh, maybe I stepped a line, and yeah. I'm sorry. See, I was thinking, you know, Native American headdress, you know, I thought, you know, but I was like, no, I'm going to push it. I'm going to go a bit further and rock the white shirt, black tie. Um, I had a bit of a Chappelle moment and I'm sorry. You know what? But uh, I'll try it in for my, in, I'll try it in my heart to forgive you. I'll try to find it in there. Um, Cause I, I, you. you know, I have a lot of capacity for love. It's the way well, it goes. I'm My heart is empty. I was not part of the religion, so I need my heart full of love, and I'm here right now to give myself over and and bear my soul. All right, broken heart and contrite spirit. To, Let us pray. I want us to pray. <clears throat> okay. Dear kind Heavenly Father, please bless this recording that it'll go well and that we don't have... 
people calling you in the middle of it. Um, and that please bless that we won't get possessed during the course of this recording because we would talk about uh, various members from church history, people who are probably with you right now, Jesus. Uh, people like Wilford Woodruff, Joseph Smith, praise be his name. Um, and we're going to be talking about a lot of that stuff. And I just hope that you can, uh, you know, protect us. And please bless all those who are on the roads and highways that they can travel safely. And please bless uh, Brother Owen to count his sores uh, and his counselors. I mean, um, and please bless all the <laughs> saints will be able to go into the saints. The, 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 the temple doors will be open to the saints. Um, and please bless all the people who need or who are sick uh, that they'll get better. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. All right. Amen. Amen. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now we got that out of the way. Here we go, guys. Now we're done. Okay. Here we go. So here here's what go. we're going here to we do. Go. We are going to rewind the proverbial clock. Okay. And we're going to rewind that clock all the way to the spring of 1820. 1820 Ooh. was a good year. Roaring 20s. Right? And a young man by the name of Joseph Smith had a very physical encounter with, quote-unquote, the adversary. An experience that left Joseph with no doubts about Satan's power in the physical realm. Most Mormons are familiar with this story. Most people who uh, are acquainted with the origin story of Mormonism have also probably heard this story. I, I mean, I have dreams about it. You do? That's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let me see here. Let's uh, get these windows figured out. This is in Joseph's own words about the experience he had uh, about having a physical encounter with Satan himself. Give it to me, baby. Quote, I kneeled down and began to offer up the desires of my heart to God. I had scarcely done so when immediately I was seized upon by some power which entirely overcame me and had such an astonishing influence over me as to bind my tongue so that I could He said, you play a pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the <laughs> devil his due. I play a fiddle of gold against your soul because I think I'm better than you. And, and Joe said... <laughs> <laughs> the thick darkness gathered around me, <laughs> is what he said. And it came oh. to me... That thick darkness, thick with two that C's. Nice, oh, God, you got to keep the darkness thick, guys. You know, you know that's on. what happens with darkness. Most of the time, it's pretty thick. It gets thicker. It gets it thicker. It gets thicker. It gets thicker. You don't thicker. think it is. You know, you almost don't think so. to like, yeah, it's just like a tar. It's, it really is. Oh, it's gnarly. So thick. Uh, tar and feather, you know, it happens to Joseph Smith later on. There's probably some, some you know, some story arc there that might come in that, later. That's in some on Chekhov's life. gun right there, man. Truly, truly, it truly is. Um, the thick darkness gathered around me, and it seemed to me for a time as if I were doomed to sudden destruction. And at the <sighs> very moment when I was ready to sink into despair and abandon myself to destruction, not to an an imaginary ruin, but to the power of some actual being from the unseen world who had such marvelous power as I had never felt in any being. Just at this moment of great alarm, I saw a pillar of light. Well, I, I'm spooked. I'm, I'm. Joseph spooked. then describes oh. what must have been a terrifying and unimaginable counter. 
Among other things, he notes that he was, quote, seized upon and was, quote, entirely overcome by Satan. He states that Lucifer bound his tongue so that he could not speak or cry out. Elsewhere, Joseph oh, noted during this oh, experience. Oh, hang on. Whoa, wait, wait, wait. Can you read that last bit to me one more time? <laughs> he states. About him getting, getting it bounded? He states that Lucifer bound his tongue so that he could not speak or oh. cry out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, here's the thing about BDSM. Everyone needs to try it once. It's got to come from somewhere. It's got. Everyone's got to try it once. And that comes straight from the devil. From the devil. (laughs) From the devil. Uh, Elsewhere, Joseph has noted that during this experience, the devil caused his tongue to physically swell up and cleave to the roof of his mouth. He also spoke of hearing distinct footsteps walking toward him as he began his prayer so that he could not see Satan's person. In one account of the experience, the prophet noted that throughout the ordeal, he was, quote, severely tempted with, quote, improper pictures in his mind, benighted with doubts, all via the devil's influence. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I, I'm, I am a whirlwind of emotions right now. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel. I'm spooked. Spooked? I'm just so spooky. You're spooky. Just so spooky. And 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 I'm I'm aroused in a very odd and new way. Okay. And and sitting here wearing this, <laughs> I I really sort of felt like I was the character, you know. I'm glad and that I, I could put you in those shoes. The devil or the other one, but I, I am I'm right now I'm in it, you know? Well, we said a prayer beforehand, so you should be fine. Um good. Uh, so basically, this is just a very small snippet of the story of Joseph's first vision, right? And so in this whole ordeal, basically, this is like, you know, when Joseph sees Jesus and God as two separate personages. That's very important in Mormon cosmology and all this stuff. But basically, he he comes up with this story about being, you know, possessed by Lucifer or, uh, you know, entirely overcome by Satan. Um as basically a way to kind of lend credence to his bullshit idea um, and get people like bought Dayman. into it. It sounds like the Nightman from It's Always Sunny. <laughs> like, oh. It just feels like it a bit. It's like, Dayman. Oh. Yeah, dude, it's so it's great. The Nightman. <laughs> it's so funny. And so, dude, I mean, basically the idea that I wanted to convey with this is that, like, this, is, this happened when Joseph was allegedly 14 years old. Okay. Yeah. And for some reason, the devil really likes possessing kids. I mean, why is that? Why do you, why do you think the devil likes kids so much? I reckon because they're stupid, easier to manipulate. That's too Um, stupid, easy to manipulate. That must mean that they're cute. They're cute. Which means that they can, you know, pull on daddy's little heartstring. Yeah. To manipulate. Yeah, there you go. A good manipulation tactic, probably. Yeah. I see what you're doing. Yeah, be it. I see what you're yeah, doing, devil. Mm. Trying to, trying I mean, to pull the wool I mean, over it, our eyes. If you're the devil, you're not going to possess like an ugly kid, are you? Because what fucking working, no, no one's going to take him fucking seriously. Just, you want you to be, you want to take over Regina motherfucking George. That's who you're taking over. True. And you are causing havoc. Reeking havoc. Havoc will be wreaked. Mm. And, you know, that makes sense that Satan would be a pedophile because he always wants to be inside kids. Um, So I don't know if that's like a thing for him. I'm assuming it is because he is Satan. 
Um, but I don't, I haven't found any sort of scriptural evidence to indicate whether or not Satan is actually a pedophile or not. So this is not, I think it's safe to say that. Yes, though. I think it's safe to say that's the, a pedo. that Satan is a pedophile. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's same as like, fuck it. Do you know what? Hitler was a pedophile too. Just because it's yep. like, well, fuck it. Like, you know, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. He's the worst person. Call him anything. Yeah. I mean, that makes There's sense. A pedophile on top of it. You hear me, devil? <laughs> Calling you out. Dude, how awesome would it be on if you Halloween. just get, if, you if got, I got possessed? Just on this recording. <laughs> yeah. it's ha- it's Your a- head just turns all the way around. Just, <laughs> yeah. just to give some context, we're, it's Halloween right tonight. This is Halloween night right now. It's yeah. for me. It, it's actual. So, I'm. I've got some candles going as well. I am. Bring it on. There will be a killer coming out of that door behind you. So uh, this is only this is one of a few times in which uh, the prophet Joseph Smith uh, encountered the adversary. Uh, Although we do not know all the details surrounding each of these experiences, we do know that Joseph confided to at least one of his brethren that Satan had made repeated attempts to physically destroy him. President Heber C. Kimball stated, quote, Brother Joseph had told me that he had contests with the devil face to face. <laughs> Look, do I have to say it? Do, do I really have to be the one you know, that brings up the amount of uh, like homoeroticism that's in quite a lot of these tales? Just the whole like face to face. Dude, it's everywhere, man. Like you can't have... Okay, here's a question. Name... An Abrahamic religion, right? Judeo-Christian, you know, Islamic, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. And all their various forms and all their various restorations and, and revisions and blah, 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 blah. Name one that isn't mostly obsessed with sex in some way. Uh, that, you can't. I don't know. You can't, you can't right? I mean, what about, uh, no, no, they all are. Yeah. But who All of, that's just human. <laughs> that's just human, bro. I mean, I get human, it. Human, bro. Um, but I, I just find that to be kind of interesting because, you know, there's, you're right. There is like this homoeroticism to yeah. almost all of this. I mean, not, I mean, the way they describe it and obviously we're delivering it in a different way, but like, there's just a, there's just that, that tinge to it where you're like, Hey, why, why is this part of it? Like, why can't you just tell me, yeah. the, you know, the devil came up to you and said, hey, yeah, you're, you know, you are the worst or something like that. Or you, you're, you play a pretty good fiddle. You play a pretty good give fiddle. Give the devil his due. A bit of fiddle go against your soul and all that stuff and whatever, right? And even in that yeah. song, there's no sex, right? There's no. There is no sex. Unless. Well, I don't know, unless. I don't know, man, because if you, if you, if, if, mute, if a sweet fiddle solo. It'll get me going. Could be anything. Oh, it could get me going. It and fiddle, going. golden fiddle, could be a euphemism for you know some genitalia, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Rosin up that and bow. I, hey, that's. And I told you once, I'm you son of a bitch. I'm the best it ever been. <laughs> I feel like we could. I th- I feel like we could make anything homoerotic. Now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, Heber C. Kimball shares the details of one of the many demonic encounters that the prophet had suffered. Okay. Oh, and by the way, I'm getting this, uh, from the BYU Religious Studies Center, by the way. 
So this is not my work. I am Represent. Quote, I'm quoting Alonzo L. Gaskill with all this stuff, by the way. Um, shout, shout out, Alonzo. Shout out to Alonzo. Uh, quote, <clears throat> I will relate one circumstance that took place at Far West in a house that Joseph had purchased, which had been formerly occupied as a public house by some wicked people. For a short time after he got into it, one of his children was taken very sick. He laid his hands upon the child. When it got better, as soon as he went out of the doors, the children was taken sick again, and he again laid his hands upon it so that it was again recovered. This occurred several times. So, okay, I'm going to put a pause there. That means that Joseph is like, oh, man, one of the kids is sick. Got to go pray and, like, you know, give him a blessing with, like, the oil and all that stuff laying out of hands, right? Okay, mm-hmm. by the power, blah, blah, blah. Okay, the sick kid gets healed, right? And Joseph's like... Yep. I bid you adieu, right? And then, da, 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 da. and then as soon as he leaves the door, leaves the threshold, the, the kid's like, <coughs> and he's like, ah, damn it. And he goes back in, blesses him again. Kid gets better. He's like, all right, okay, gotcha, no problem. Heads out the door. And as soon as he leaves the threshold again, just, <coughs> I'm sick again. So he does that several times. That doesn't make any sense, dude. <laughs> Come on. I mean, look, look, Chris, I don't know how skeptical you are of your miracles, but personally, I think that that's a miracle to me. (laughs) When he's around, he's better. Okay. Uh, So this occurred several times. And when Joseph inquired of the Lord what it all meant, so he's like, God, what does it all mean? Then he had an open vision and saw the devil in person who contended with Joseph face to face for some time. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what that means. For some time, for like some time, like for, for some like time. some time could be a few it, it, could, it could be minutes? ten hours or it could be ten seconds, like a few minutes. Yeah, for some, some time. time. Yeah, because uh, yeah, yeah, for some time. I wonder how long it was. He okay. said it was. Does it describe how he looks. Do, uh, does, do we get a description of how the devil looks? We don't. Or is it? We don't. So it's kind of so. So it's kind of like what you. The person is hearing it. Whatever you can picture is dark. Yeah, yeah. Whoever's listening to this, whatever you imagine as the devil, probably that's the devil. That's the devil, right? The devil's like a boggart, dude. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Who contended with Joseph face to face for some time? Uh, He said it was. He said it was his house. It belonged to him, and Joseph had no right there. So the devil showing up is like, bro, this is my house. And and then Joseph's like, no, dude, no, no, man, this is like my house because and then because this is the same house that Joseph, like he said, Joseph had purchased this house. So there's probably some sort of like legal dispute between Satan and Joseph Smith at this time. Now that you think about it, right? Like, yeah. did you buy it? Okay, I don't think you bought it with like the right type of means. You didn't sign my contract. And devil's like, I got a contract. If you sign in blood or whatever it is that he does, you know, I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, so Satan said it was his house. It belonged to him. And no, Joseph I haven't had, met the guy. Yeah, haven't met the guy. Then Joseph rebuked Satan in the name of the Lord, and he departed and touched the child no more. So, the idea that Satan is a pedophile, bada bing, he touched the child no more. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate your service. Busted. Yeah. Thus, the record shows that Joseph experienced Satan in a very real and tangible way. This and was. Then- Chris Hansen walks in. <laughs> Satan, take a seat. Satan, take a seat. This was not isolated to the very strange encounter in the sacred grove, as previously mentioned, right? The sacred grove is where Joseph had his first vision, right? He was taken over by the adversary, quote, blah, blah, blah. All right, well, we talked about that a little bit earlier. Uh, on the contrary, the devil, apparently on multiple occasions, physically and violently accosted the prophet, quote, 
face to face. So now, what that means is, on multiple occasions, apparently, Joseph Smith would just basically come up to people and be like, you know what? I had an altercation with Satan again. He came up to me. We were face to face, man. And everybody was just like, whoa, Joseph, no way. <laughs> yeah, but I knew karate, and I said, devil be gone. <laughs> devil be gone. <laughs> Went off like a bitch. <laughs> Dude, so ridiculous, man. Devil like devil Joseph- wanted to come crush you. The devil wanted to come and destroy you all, but I said, devil, no. <laughs> One chop. Gone. <laughs> One chop the devil. <laughs> Bam. Dude, okay, so Joseph Smith, I, mean, I feel like we, you and I have talked about this before, but Joseph Smith really sounds like that guy on the playground who, like, makes up lies just to sound cool, and then people call him out on it, and he's like, no, 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 you don't know him. Like, he goes to a different school. <laughs> fair play. A fair play to Joe. stories. Right? I mean, it kept the place interesting. What else was everyone talking about? That you time? know, that's true. You know, it's 1820s. 1830s mm. around there like we need someone to just make up bullshit uh joe dude when you think just... about it okay because they're they're living in like upstate new york oop state new york right <laughs> um oop state. And, oop state and uh like that's the burned over district that's where all of, like the you know the hellfire damnation fire and brimstone preaching pop-up tents you know crazy religious time was happening during that era right could you mm-hmm. imagine being in that place at that time? Dude, that'd be so crazy. It'd be so cool. Because it's just it's just a wave of something like new and weird and I don't know, man. It would be it'd be so surreal. Imagine having a time machine. If you had a time machine, would you go back to see catch up on Joe if you had the DeLorean? Oh, see what's dude. going on? I mean, there's a lot Dude, of places imagine. that I, there's a lot of places I would go, but that would be probably like how high how high would that be on your personal list? Because it wouldn't be that high on mine, but on your personal list, you've got the DeLorean. Mister Fusion is fine, yeah, and you you can go anywhere. Like how high up on that list? Going to go see Joe and see mm-hmm. how all of that is started. I yeah, I probably would have been the thick darkness to be honest. You know, like if this was a movie, right? Like I would be, yeah. like I would, you know, work out a lot. You know, I would get dummy thick. Yeah. I would get a big old booty, mm-hmm. right? And um, and I would make sure to wear like, you know, really, you know, I just wear black leggings, you know, ones that lift up and spread, mm-hmm. you know, lift and spread. That's the whole point of leggings. Um, of course. And, uh, and then I would, you know, he would be sitting there like wondering like, oh, I don't know, God, like what church is true? And it's like this church motherfucker. And I would sit on his face. <laughs> Church, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking church. But no, I think church. as far as like on my list, it would probably be in the top five for sure because I want to go. I mean, mm. other places that I would like to go is like 1983 comedy store with Robin Williams yeah. and Richard Pryor. Big one for me would probably be like Golden Age Cinema in Hollywood. Yeah. That'd be quite high on my list. And like, um, yeah, Cowboys as well would be one. I mean, that's the same time. Uh, yeah. It's just in a different part of the country. Yeah, I know. But I want it to be like, right I want there. to be 18, what was it, 1885? Whatever year it is Martin McFly goes to. 1885. It is 1885. 1885. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's one of the, one of the, or a few of the instances in which Joe Smith himself had altercations with the devil. Okay. 
we are going to go with, we're going to jump around a little bit, and we're going to go to uh, this guy by the name of Harvey Whitlock. Harvey Whitlock. Hell of a name, first So off. close to Weinstein. Hell of a name. Um, let's see here. Uh, and this is taken from his, uh, this is from a, a journal entry written by Levi Hancock. Okay. Levi Hancock, uh, was this guy, he, from what I've read, uh, I mean, okay, first off, and I mentioned this to you, um, a few days ago before we were recorded, but like, say what you will about Mormons, they are very meticulous note takers and very meticulous, uh, diary keepers, right? Which is part of the reason why, you know, there's so much Mormon history, you know, because we have firsthand accounts of what life was like in those moments from those people and all that stuff. And Levi Hancock was this guy, and from what I've read of him and just, you know, researching this episode and all that stuff is that he was a hardcore Joseph Smith fanboy. He wasn't born into Mormonism. He basically was like this young, impressionable kid. You know, he looked up to Joseph Smith. And of course, Joseph Smith is this, you know, handsome fella who's got this crazy story. He's charismatic as fuck, you know, all this mm -hmm. stuff. And he just basically becomes this fanboy of him, right? So this involves the ordin ordination of Harvey Whitlock to the office of high priest, okay? So a lot of times during that, uh, during that era, Joseph Smith would have, like, meetings and, like, ordain a lot of dudes into, like, the priesthood, right? And, like, you know, that's how you get people bought into the religion is, like, hey, you now have a position of authority. Sweet. Here we go. Yeah. Right? And this is one of those instances. Brother Whitlock was a, quote, on-again, off-again Latter-day Saint who was, who was baptized in the church three times before finally becoming a member of the church. Brother Whitlock's experience with Satan was recorded by a number of individuals, some of whom actually witnessed it. For example, Levi Hancock. Okay. The 4th of June, 1831. The 4th of June came and we all met. And so this is from Levi Hancock's journal, witnessing yep. this, whole, this whole process. The 4th of June came and we all met in a little string of buildings under the hill near Isaac Morley's house in Kirtland, Go. Gajewa, I don't know what county it is, but it's Kirtland, Ohio. Then we all went, there might be some people in Kirtland, Ohio that are listening. It's like, that's not how you pronounce the fucking county's name, piece of shit. Whatever. Um, then we all went Kirtland, to Kirtland, Ohio. Kirtland, Ohio. Kirtland, Ohio. Kirtland, Ohio. 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 Then we all went to a schoolhouse on the hill about one-fourth of a mile ascending nearly all the way. So it's like this uphill you know, place, this uh, schoolhouse. The building was built of logs. It was filled with slab benches. Here the elders were seated, and the meeting was opened as usual. Joseph Smith began to speak, and he said that the kingdom of Christ, uh, that he spoke of that was like the grain of mustard seed, was now before him, and some should see it put forth its branches, and the angels of heaven would someday come like birds to its branches, just as the Savior had said. Okay, so he's, this guy's not very literate, right? He's just kind of like writing down what he's thinking, um, and uh, some of you, quote, uh, some of you shall live to see it come with great glory. So Joseph Smith is telling these guys that, like, some of you here will see when Jesus comes back. Um, mm -hmm. Some of you must die for the testimony of this work. And he looked at Lyman White and said to him, quote, you shall see the Lord and meet him near the corner of the house and laid his hands upon him and blessed him with the visions of heaven. Okay. So he looked at this guy, Lyman. Okay. And he said, you shall see the Lord and meet him around the house, like just outside, just around the corner of the house. <laughs> so he laid his on his hands and blessed him with the visions of heaven. Uh, Joseph Smith then stepped out on the floor and said, quote, 
I now see God and Jesus Christ at his right hand. Let them kill me. I should not feel death as I am now. So that's a weird thing to say, right? Like he's like, I now see God and Jesus. Let him kill me. Like, come at me, bro. Um, that's bull. That's baller. That's boss. <laughs> Joseph put his hands on Harvey Whitlock and ordained him to the high priesthood. Now, this is where it starts to get a little weird. He turned as black as... Oh, li- this is where it starts to get a little weird. Yeah. This bit, now it's gonna... <laughs> everything else is... You know what? I digress. You're correct. Um, this is where it starts to get spooky. Here we go. Oh, oh okay. Oh, wait, hang on. Hang on. There you go. I want to I be spooked. All right, here we go. <clears throat> uh, Joseph put his hands on Harvey Whitlock and ordained him to the high priesthood. He turned as black as Lyman was white. His fingers were set like claws. He went around the room and showed his hands and tried to speak. His eyes were in the shape of oval O's. <laughs> as opposed to those triangular ones. Hey, you know what? Most O's are usually oval shaped. Um, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to look into it too much. That way, you know, I don't want to discredit good old, you know, Harvey. Um, Hiram Smith said, quote, Joseph, that is not of God. Joseph said, do not speak against this. And then Hiram was like, I will not believe, said Hiram, uh, unless you inquire of God and he owns it. Joseph bowed his head and in a short time got up and commanded Satan to leave Harvey, laying his hands upon his head at the same time. At the very instant, an old man, said to weigh 214 pounds, sitting in the window, turned a complete somersault in the house and came his back across a bench and lay helpless. So this guy <laughs> did a somersault <laughs> and like hit his back on a bench and lay helpless. <laughs> Joseph told Lyman to cast Satan out. He did. This or the man's name was Lenin, Lemon, Lemon Copley. There we go. Lemon Copley, Lee Man Copley, formerly a Quaker. Lemon, come along. And this guy was apparently formerly a Quaker. Uh, The evil spirit left him as quick lightning. Harvey Green fell bound and screamed like a panther. (laughs) What does that sound like? (laughs) I have no idea. Uh, I have not heard any panthers. Specific, the ones to uh, upstate New York. Satan was cast out of it. Can we try find a sound of it somewhere? Oh yeah, go ahead and go ahead and Google it. Okay, so uh, Satan was cast out of him, but immediately entered someone else. This continued all day and the greater part of the night. So that means, if I'm reading this correctly, and you might—I mean, I don't know what you're hearing—but he says Satan got cast out of that guy, but then he Mm -hmm. immediately entered someone else. This continued all day and the greater part of the night. So that means that Satan is like fucking musical cherishing people's bodies, right? Just going just bam, 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 bam. And Joseph is just like doing whatever he can to like run from one guy. Tell him to be like, hey, fucking leave him. Leave him alone, Satan. That, and then Satan just like. What film <laughs> does that happen in? That happens in like the ne- new Venom. Well, like nearly so every. so many things. Yeah. <laughs> where like a spirit takes over someone. It happens in fucking Space Jam. Yeah, Space Jam. There you go, Space Jam. 
Or another amazing uh, uh, possession movie, The Exorcist. (laughs) In The Exorcist, in The Exorcist, I mean, I'm not spoiling it for anybody because the movie was made in 1972 or whatever. Like, I'm not going to be, you know, whatever. But basically, Linda Blair, or not Linda Blair, that's the name of the actress, fucking Reagan, the name of the character. uh, Reagan gets possessed by, you know, the devil uh, himself, and then the priest shows up, uh, and the exorcist guy shows up with the lamppost and everything iconic scene, um, and Reagan eventually kills the priest, or one of the priests. Then the other one realizes mm-hmm. that the only way that she, he's going to be able to save Reagan is if he offers himself up to Satan to be possessed by him, and then he kills himself by jumping out of a window, right? Yep. Okay, so the whole, like, body swapping, mm-hmm. like, Satan's a pro at that, Right. So, so good. At it. But I just the only visual that I see is that when it continued all day in the greater part of the night, I just see like Joseph again doing the same thing of like, <laughs> and in the name of the Lord, and then like it goes over to like this other guy, just like, you know, and then Joseph's like, ah, dang it, amen. And then it goes to the other guy. Like, I just imagine Joseph getting so tired. Someone in the coffee shop just like, yeah. <laughs> like, dude, Joseph must get so tired. And he has a limp, which is crazy. So Joseph is like limping from each person to person. <laughs> oh, man. That's probably why it took so long and took, you know, the greater part of the day or, you know, all day and greater part of the night is because Joseph, he, he was known for his limp. So he just took a long time to get from person to person. <laughs> and that's the reason why it took so long. Um <laughs> Just okay. hearing that. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> but to return to the meeting. Okay. So what's so funny is that like he's, it's this guy writing like <laughs> this Hancock guy, he's writing as if he's writing to an audience, which is funny. Yeah. Right. So he says, um, but immediately some, you know, entered someone else. This continued all day and the greater part of the night. But to return to the meeting, Joseph said, so he's like, anyway. <laughs> Joseph said, quote, now if you elders have sinned, it will do you no good to preach if you have not repented. Heman Bassett, you sit, you sit still. The devil wants to sift you. Uh. Dude, uh, come on, man. Sift. Sift. I want to sift. Sift. The devil wants to sift. What the fuck does that mean? What the fuck does that mean? I have no idea what he meant when he said, you sit still, the devil wants to sift (laughs) you. According to this firsthand account, that's what Joseph motherfucking Smith said. This dude, man. <laughs> yeah, dude. Do you know what? Do you know what? Shakespeare gets too much credit for coming up with words. Joseph Smith, dude. Was it sniff? Smith? No, sift. Like you're sift. Like sifting flour. Like sift. Oh, yeah. God, that's that's so. That's visual, that's yet a, not at all at the same time. That's so. It makes you feel uncomfortable. Like, I don't know what I can picture, but I can picture something, but I don't know what that is, and no, it just makes me feel weird. You don't you don't see it, you feel it. That's what that word does. The devil wants to yeah. sift you. Dude. Oh imagine imagine that being whispered in your ears, just 
The devil wants to sift you. What the fuck? Oh. <laughs> huh? Huh? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, then he ordained Jacob Scott and some others to the high priesthood. So this guy, this Hancock dude, he is just rolling through. He is just giving us the the quick beats. He's spark noting the fuck out of this meeting. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's just giving us the basics. Give us the skeleton. Ow. Just make it shorter. <laughs> Economy of words. Um, he then ordained Jacob Scott and some others. High priesthood. He came to Zebediah Coltrane and myself and told us that we had another calling as high as any man in the house. Ooh, there we go. I was glad for that, for I was so scared I would not stir without his liberty for all the world. I knew the things I had seen was not made. Joseph said that John was to tarry until Christ came. He was now with the ten tribes preaching to them. And then he basically just goes on to this, the rest of the fucking thing. Um, and he talks about other stuff. But that small excerpt, that 4th of June, June 4th, had some crazy shit happening. Because this Harvey Whitlock guy turned completely black, and he had claws. This is all still on the same day. This is the same day. That's one meeting. That's one meeting. I thought we. I thought this is like completely different, like time periods. <laughs> Dude, man, this is damn, man. This is a wild day. This is a wild yeah. day. Because he said like it continued all day in the greater part of the night, right? So Fourth yeah, of June was a big day. Joseph, like, running around fucking trying to, you know, cast the devil out of folks. You know? It's a long day. <laughs> that is a long day. That is a long day. He's going to be so tired after that. Yeah. And so here's part of the reason why I think that this uh, Hancock guy is kind of a Joseph Smith fanboy. Um, he's like, I was glad for that for I was so scared that I would not stir without his liberty for all the world. So it's kind of like, mm. I'm not going to do anything that Joseph doesn't tell me to. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. So there's Harvey Whitlock's uh, possession from the perspective of Levi Hancock. So that's from Levi Hancock. But Lucy Mack Smith, Joseph Smith's mom, also referred to the Harvey Whitlock experience in her 1844 to 45 preliminary manuscript that would become her History of Joseph Smith by his mother. While she confirms Levi Hancock's account of the events, she adds a couple additional insights that Hancock did not include. Mother Smith states that Whitlock convulsed when under the physical influence of Satan and was left physically weak after the devil was cast out of him. She also notes that Copley had his tongue bound during the episode. Again, fucking the devil coming in and strapping those things down with that Mm. spiked leather, man. He just comes in, straps you down. That's the way it goes. I need to have a whip sound effect. (laughs) All right. So she also notes that Copley had his uh, tongue bound in the episode uh, and prevented him from speaking. Both of these quote-unquote symptoms, if we can call them such, are comparable to the experiences of Joseph Smith, Heber C. Kimball, and Newell Knight, who we're going to next. Philo Dibble, who was a first-hand witness to this experience, confirms Lucy Mack Smith's additions to the story. Dibble writes, Harvey Whitlock stepped into the middle of the room with his arms crossed, bound by the power of Satan, and his mouth twisted unshapely. Have you ever seen anybody's mouth twist unshapely? I mean... You don't think we put your top flip around? Mm. But I, yeah. Mm. <laughs> what if you just like made just like a... <laughs> what 
What if he just, could you imagine, like, how hilarious would this be? Because these people, I mean, I'm just going to call a spade a spade. These people are absolute idiots, okay? They're yeah. so dumb, mm -hmm. right? And so when, <laughs> when you have a, a moment where this guy, this Harvey Whitlock dude, and he stands up, steps into the middle of the room, and he has his arms folded, his arms crossed, right? These people immediately think that he's bound by the power of Satan, right? Mm -hmm. And so his mouth twisted unshapely. But what if, just because I think this is hilarious, what if he just, the whole idea of him twisting his mouth unshapely was him just like coming up and then like doing something with his mouth? He just, came, he just learned a new trick. And he that's just like, all he wanted to do is just show people. It's like, look, what can I do with my, look, I can make my tongue into a tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> just, guys, ah. Oh, <laughs> He's oh. doing like the finger thing. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of, when you think about it, like there are some serious, like those types of people would see that happening and think that that's genuinely witchcraft. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> he twisted, so... he's a witch. What, what evidence do you have? He twisted his mouth unshapely. <laughs> that's all we need to hear. It's like, put him away. She turned me, she turned me into a newt. <laughs> All right, so Hiram Smith, uh, Joseph's brother, arose and declared that there was an evil spirit in the room. So he just like stands, he's like, there's an evil spirit in here. <laughs> hey, guys, everybody shut up. Evil spirit in the house. Wait, do, you, do you reckon that was his, his excuse? Do you reckon he farted? Oh, my and God. He tried to blame it on the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> just, just like an evil spirit. Could you imagine if that's the was reason like Joseph was just going from person to person trying to like quell their farts? In the name of the well, Lord God, Jesus Christ, I cast this demon out of you. <laughs> okay, so shortly Hiram rose the second time saying, quote, I know my duty and will do it, unquote. And stepping to Harvey, commanded the evil spirits to leave him, but the spirits did not obey. Mm. Joseph then approached Harvey and asked him if he believed in God. Pretty serious question to ask somebody, right? When you're possessed by a devil, does he really care on whether or not you believe in him? That's actually, when you think about it, that's actually a really good question. Does Satan possess people even if the person he's possessing doesn't believe in his existence? I think yes. He does. I think he does. Satan doesn't care. I think he does. Satan don't give a shit. That's true. You know, no, no... Satan doesn't play by anyone else's rules. That's true. He's That's true. his own rule maker. If he wants to break a rule, he'll break a rule. He makes his own rules. Just, he makes his own rules just to break him, dude. I bet there's some days where he he's not evil. He just goes to the market because it's you know this is not his rule. It's not a rule that he has to be evil. No, he's going to break that rule. He's just going to go you know slice some watermelon on a nice Sunday morning. You know, there's probably some times and where then he's... the next day, fucking rain. <laughs> You know, there's probably times where Satan's like, you know what? I am going to use the crosswalk today. I'm not going to jaywalk. I I think that probably happens. You got to yeah. mix things up, right? You got to mix things up as the devil. Yeah. You know, you can't yeah, always every, be the prince of darkness, you know? Every, every happy person, every good person has a bad day. Yeah. Every bad person will have a, a good, good day. day. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense, right? That's just... Well, they're just like, do you know what? I ain't going to do this anymore. That's statistics. All right. Joseph then approached Harvey and asked him if he believed in God. Then we saw a change in Harvey. He also bore record of the opening of the heavens and of the coming of the Son of Man, 
otherwise known as Jesus Christ. Precisely as nine- semen <laughs> coming by the Son of Man. <laughs> it's like I saw Jesus jizzing. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! Oh, Jesus! Um, <laughs> oh, that's horrible. My mom listens to this anyway. Um, Precisely, Shout out. <laughs> coming to the Son of Man, precisely as Lyman, Lyman White had done. Next, a man by the name of Harvey Green, a different Harvey, was thrown upon his back on the floor by an unseen power. So Harvey Green must have been that guy who weighs 214, right? As previously mentioned in, uh, in Levi Hancock's uh, account of the guy who says, and a guy who has said to be Griffin. 214. I mean, you have to have those details, right? You have to have the yeah. details. That's the way it goes. Yes, the, the- the piste de resistance. Okay, so Harvey Green was thrown upon his back on the floor by an unseen power. This is the guy who did the somersault. Some of the brethren wanted to administer to him by laying out of hands, but Joseph forbade it. Ooh, it's interesting. Interesting. Why would Joseph Smith forbid the other men of the of the community or the the fucking meeting to see like they see a guy who weighs two hundred fourteen pounds do a somersault in the air, land on his back, and they're like, "We gotta help him." And Joseph's like, "Fucking stop!" Why? I I don't know. Why? I don't know. I'm asking. <laughs> I don't have the answers. <laughs> I thought you were going to lay it on me. I no, like no, a, no, no, sorry. Like, oh, why would he do that? And I was like, I don't know. I don't and know. Tell me. Like, because men. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but Joseph forbade it. Harvey looked to me like a man in a fit. He groaned and frothed at the mouth. Finally, he gave up. he got up on his knees and came out of it. Holy shit. This is just so crazy. The next thing I saw, so this is from Philo Dibble, one of the guys that was there, right? Yeah. It's still the same guy who's writing. Okay. So nice. Yep. Next thing I saw was a man came flying through the window from outside. He okay. was straight as a man's arm as he sailed into the room over two rows of seats filled with men and fell on the floor between the seats and was pulled out by the brethren. He trembled all over like a leaf in the wind. <laughs> I love those old-timey sayings. I fucking love that shit. It's so awesome that they still, like, I always thought that it's like, okay, nobody really talked that way. Like, it's all just like this cliche, you know, like antiquated saying or whatever. But, dude, mm-hmm. that's how they talk. These people, do you know what? If they talk like that, these people, so that dude that wrote that, you know, maybe he did see that. They were clearly on acid or something. Like, if like, is that like a, that must be a theory that people were on shrooms? People were on shrooms at the time. Well, Fraser, you're gonna have to be patient because we will get there. Yes, yes, ding, we, will, ding, 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 we will get there. We will get there. So, <clears throat> uh, shaking all over like I trembled like a leaf in the wind. Uh, he was soon calm and natural. His name was Lemon Copley. He weighed over 200 pounds. Oh, so that's the guy. Okay, all right, whatever. Then this I saw with my own eyes and know it is all true, and I bear testimony to it. So that's the guy who came in and was straight as a man's arm. Um, what would be crazy if he was as gay as a man's arm? I've never really thought about that, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was like I don't know why they had to slip in that he was straight. When yeah, he, why do they have to have that? Like He was as straight as a man's arm. Now describe to me what that means. Yeah, what I, does straight well, as a man's arm mean? I have an image. Because I could bend my arm. 
so questionably bisexual. Is that what you're trying to say? You know what? Was... This Lemon Copley guy probably experimented when he was in college. No, he didn't. He didn't go to college. Um, he probably. I don't know. He probably fashioned a dildo out of like a branch or something like that at some point. Because he was as straight Just as a man's the chair arm. Upside down. As a man. Straight as a man's arm. As straight as a man's arm. Man, I've seen men's arms not be straight before. I'd rather, I don't even want to talk about it. I mean, that's the way it goes. So it seems significant here, at least as it relates to our discussion. Uh, this is uh, still Alonzo who's writing this, right? It is not so much the fact that Harvey Whitlock was possessed by the devil as others were apparently were. Rather, it was, what seems noteworthy are the physical attacks upon Lemon Copley and Harvey Green. Whereas Whitlock was clearly quote-unquote possessed, these brethren exhibited behavior that implied they were also being physically, not just spiritually, harassed by the adversary. Okay? All right. So, that is the idea with Harvey Whitlock. But, as mentioned previously, there is a guy um, talked about named Newell Knight. So, so we have Joseph Smith, First Vision, Thick darkness. Then he has the other thing. Uh, and then Harvey Whitlock gets possessed. People doing somersaults. You know, people are talking about being straight and being leafs and all that shit. Now we go to Newell Knight. The prophet and the early missionaries were not the only individuals to suffer physical attacks at the hands of the adversary. In, one, in what has been come to be known as, quote, the first miracle of the church. Very important. Newell Knight had a rather strange physical encounter with Lucifer in the history of the church, we find the following reference to the event. So, so this is from the book called The History of the Church that was written, you know, probably way back then. Um, Amongst these who attended our meetings regularly in April of 1830 was Newell Knight. Newell had said that he would try to take up his cross and pray vocally during the meeting. So, but the idea of taking up his cross is like, you know, committing yourself to Christ, right? So it's not taking Mm -hmm. up a literal cross. It's, you know, a little bit more symbolic. Um, But when we again met together, he rather excused himself. Again, the idea with farting and Satan being around, I feel like there's a lot of commonalities there. Because he's just like, I had to, I got to excuse myself. I'm so sorry. I'm I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. So sorry. So sorry. Got to get up out of here. Um, Accordingly, he deferred praying until the next morning when he retired into the woods where, according to his own account afterwards, he made several attempts to pray but could scarcely do so. Interesting. He began to feel uneasy, and he continued to feel worse in both in mind and body until, upon reaching his own house, his appearance was such as to alarm his wife very much. He requested to go, her to go and bring me to him. I don't know who this me person is. Uh, we'll have to find it. Um, I went and found him suffering very much in his mind, and his body acted upon in a very strange manner. His visage and limbs distorted and twisted in every shape and appearance possible to imagine. So he's basically doing origami with his body, right? So he goes like, mm-hmm. and he's like, crane. And then it's like, you know, uh, you know, like he's hamster. like, hamster, you know, it's like, it's like, oh, the Eiffel Tower, right? So he's transformer. like, yeah, so this guy's a transformer, right? Um, and finally, he was caught up off the floor of the apartment and tossed about most fearfully. His situation was soon made known to his neighbors and relatives, and in a short time as many as eight or nine grown persons had got together to witness the scene. So this is another thing that happens in that time that I think is kind of funny, is that this guy is doing body origami, right? Yeah. <laughs> and as he, you do. As one does when they're possessed, right? People just, like, show up to watch. <laughs> 
eight or as many word as gets out, word gets out across the village super quick i mean you hear you hear some banging you hear some screaming he's like you know what i gotta go check it out there's a dude that's straight i'll say what as a man's arm holy oh, fuck <laughs> i gotta get over there <laughs> shit i don't want fomo um heck oh heck gotta get over there oh, heck. oh frick um, oh, flip. Uh, so they got together to witness the scene. After he had thus suffered for a time, I succeeded in getting hold of him by the hand when he almost immediately he sp- and uh, when almost immediately he spoke to me and with great earnestness requested me to cast the devil out of him, saying that he knew he was in him and that he was also and that he also knew that I could cast him out. So I'm assuming that he's talking to Joseph, this person, this whoever's in the first person here, it's probably Joseph. Um, oh. I replied, if you know that I can, it shall be done. And then almost unconsciously, I rebuked the devil. Oh, this is definitely Joseph Smith talking here because he's like almost unconsciously like fucking like. As soon as, as, soon as the person in your head is wearing Oakley's, it's fucking Joseph yeah, Smith, yep, brother. Yeah, yep, exactly. <laughs> More like, oh, no, sorry. It's Broseph Smith. Broseph Smith, dude. Broseph Smith. Dude, Broseph Smith. That's, that's a merch idea. Anyway, we'll, we'll catalog that for later. <laughs> um, and then I almost unconscious or almost unconsciously, I rebuked the devil and commanded him in the name of Jesus Christ to p- depart from him. Almost unconsciously, dude. Oh, <laughs> so gnarly. I just came out of a wicked well and fucking... Dude. Dude, don't even worry about it, man. Like, I was able to make it happen because I was in, like, this pretty sick groove, man. And I was like, you know what? I don't even have to think about it. feeling it, you know? I was feeling it. (laughs) Uh, When immediately Newell spoke out and I said and said that he saw the devil leave him and vanish from his sight. This scene was now entirely changed for as soon as the devil had departed from our friend, his countenance became natural. His distortions of the body ceased and almost immediately felt the spirit of the Lord descend upon him and the visions of eternity were opened to his view. All of this was witnessed by many to their great astonishment and satisfaction. That's the thing that makes me not like Joseph Smith even more is because he says to their great astonishment and satisfaction. Why do you have to have satisfaction in there again with the sex? It's really weird. It's really weird. I mean, look, what else is there to do in Utah? Well, this isn't in Utah. This is still in Oop State. Where? Okay, where are they right now? They're in Oop in State. Oop State. Yeah, they're in Oop State right now. Okay, so, so they're not in Down State. So in Oop State. It's in Oop State. In Oop State. Yeah. What is there to do? There's nothing to do apparently. Um, so oh, cool. Newell Knight, this guy, confirms the history of the church's account in his. Which auto- all right, cake. Okay, I need I need to shout out to Newell Knight for having the coolest name. True. So far that I've heard. True. Newell Knight. Newell Knight. Oh man. Harvey Newell Whitlock. Knight, motherfucker. Harvey dude. Whitlock is also Harvey another Whitlock. awesome name. Harley, yeah, Harvey Whitlock, but man, Newell Knight. Harvey Whitlock is, is like Knight? a. Night, as in K N I G H T, like oh, yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking dope, dude. Okay, so Knight confirms I am the N- Knight. <laughs> Knight confirms the history of Church's account in his autobiography, where he not only acknowledges that the event took place, but also he speaks in detail of the subsequent tw- June 29th, eighteen thirty trial, in which he was called as a witness and interrogated regarding the aforementioned Luciferian encounter. 
Although Newell's experience may seem more like demonic possession than satanic attack, clearly he was being physically accosted. Not only was his body actually distorted and disabled by the experience, but also he notes that Satan physically lifted him off the floor and, quote, tossed him about the room as if he were a rag doll. Okay. Now, okay, okay, okay. Now, now tossed him is a very different thing <laughs> over here in the land of Ing. <laughs> right? <laughs> he yeah. tossed him. Tossed him. Is not... <laughs> Is a is a very much a sexual act. Yes, yes. And <laughs> speaking of England, I've heard of it. Our next story. So that's Newell Knight, and I didn't want to dip, dip into his uh, autobiography and all that stuff because any autobiography written by anyone at this time is probably full of bullshit. So um, I am going to uh, let you know in on this uh, the one that. The one that I like most so far, out of all the ones that I looked up for this episode, I think this one is my favorite. And so before I get into it, um, it does take place in England. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a quick little biography of this next guy, um, mainly because, I mean, everybody hears about Joseph Smith and he's like the guy in Mormonism and all that stuff, right? But our next mm -hmm. character, our next person that we talk about is Wilford Woodruff Sr., Wilfred Woodruff Sr. was born in March 1st, 1807, uh, and he was, uh, this is just straight off of Wikipedia, right? Uh, he was the fourth president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, so he's number four in line. Uh, there was okay. Joseph Smith, then Brigham Young, then Lorenzo Snow, and then this guy, Wilfred Woodruff. Um, he was ordained... Uh, how, many, how many places of presidents do you know? Is, you know, like, the mainly places of pie... You know the places. Oh, of, was it the president? <laughs> uh, so Joseph uh, Smith, then Brigham Young. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I know just five. I think, or no, John Taylor. No, that's right. I uh, no, I digress. I know five. I'm not going to ask you to do it, but if you had to like safely say like I can do at least, I know five. five. And if I don't hit five, I know okay. five. Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, but John if you Taylor. Thought about it, but right now, who's number six? No idea. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. I thought I was going to inspire you. I was just going to put you on the spot, and you were just going to go, no. Jeffrey. Uh, it's not Jeffrey. It is uh, Joseph Fielding Smith, cause, just because I looked it up. Um, <clears throat> okay. I don't know that. So, Wilfred Woodruff, born in 1807. Um, he joined the Latter-day Saints. Uh, he was born, he was one of the four sons born to Beulah Thompson and Afek Woodruff. Afek, spelled A-P-H-E-K, Afek. And this is all still taking place in the land of Ing. This is uh, in Connecticut. Yeah. So, oh, okay. so we're, so we're, we're not going over we're, in England yet. We're, we're with this guy. We're going a little bit of a biography on this guy really quick, just because he's, a, he, he's an important figure in Mormon history, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, one of four sons born to Beulah Thompson and Afek Woodruff. Beulah died, quote, of uh, spotted fever and in 1808 at the age of 26, when Wilford was just 15 months old. Okay. Afek married Azuba Hart, Azuba spelled A-Z-U-B-A-H, Azuba, uh, in 1809. Azuba. So Wilford Woodruff's dad, they have a kid. Uh, she dies 15 months after she, he's born. And then in 1809, literally a year later, marries another lady, right? That's the, that's the early 1800s. You gotta fucking, yep. you gotta keep moving, right? Yeah, um, definitely. In 1826, Afec lost his mill and then moved from Northington to Farmington, Connecticut. 
Woodruff attended school until he was 18 years old, which was unusual at the time. He survived having... What t- was the normal age? Oh, I'm assuming he say? was probably 12, 13, 14 years oh, yeah. old. Yeah, when you start, when you're able to like start working like ser- like in earnest as a young man, like why go to school when you could be on the farm or doing whatever, you know? Um, Good point. <clears throat> so he was in school until he was 18 years old, which was unusual. Uh, he survived having typhus and numerous accidents. I don't know which of those accidents are. I would have to go into his actual biography, but I don't want to do that. Um, at age 20, Woodruff left home to manage a flour mill for his aunt and after three years, operated mills for other people until moving to Richland, New York, with his brother Asmon, A-Z-M-O-N. <laughs> so Asmon. what really sucks is that I Wilford, like in the Woodruff family, like Wilford was the lamest name. Yeah. Right? His dad's name's Afek. changed that, didn't he? Yeah. His, na- his, na- his dad's name's Afek. His stepmom's name is Azuba. He has a brother named Asmon. Right? Like, got short on the stick for sure. Yeah. Um, so he moved up there with his brother Asmund in 1832. During his time as a mill operator, he studied religion and became intru- interested in restorationism. And so Woodruff became a local Baptist minister, uh, had a local Baptist minister, Mr. Fippen, baptize him without making him a member of the local congregation. So he was baptized in the Baptist stuff, but didn't really like it. Uh, Woodruff then joined the Latter-day Saint Church on December 31st, 1833. He was impressed with how the missionaries preached their message voluntarily and free of charge and how they purported to, quote, heal the sick. So, restorationism. Let's do a quick little dip into that, okay? Because restorationism is something that I find to be such bullshit and so fascinating and so close to home. Uh, Restorationism. Fundamentally, uh, the restorationism can be basically defined into, like, it's basically fundamentalism as a whole term, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Fundamentally, this vision speaks to correct the faults or deficiencies in the church by appealing to the primitive church as a normative model. So these guys, the restorationists are like, you know what, why are we practicing this religion in this way to fit the normal context when it was just good enough for everybody previously mentioned in scripture? So why don't we just live it like they used to, right? So you're Mm -hmm. hearkening back Right. So like Brady talked about that in a few of it, like in his episode talking about, you know, how the problem isn't polygamy. The problem is fundamentalism. Right. It's the same idea. Right. They're hearkening back to a better time, you know, and these are the same type of people who uh, practice, uh, you know, the the they're they're a little bit more susceptible to the charismatic movement within Christianity. Okay, mm-hmm. so restorationists, uh, you know, in a in a very, I'm painting with very broad strokes right now. By the way, I'm not getting very specific, but these people are the ones who like speak in tongues and like believe in the spiritual gifts of God. Go on. Okay, right. Uh, these are the guys who you see YouTube videos about, and uh, I found one that I find just absolutely hilarious, Aww. dude. It's oh, so funny. please, please, let's see it. Okay, this is enjoy. <laughs> this is Paula White uh, speaking in tongues, and this is just on YouTube. I I just ty- I literally went to YouTube and I typed in <laughs> speaking in tongues, and uh, okay. okay. Uh, so how about this? I'll, I'll lay out what the gifts are really quick. Okay, the gifts uh, Mormons call it the spirit, like the gifts of the spirit. Right, but this is something that happens in all parts of Christianity in a lot of different ways, mm-hmm. um, where you basically are given the gift. 
there's seven of them and there's a lot of them that people talk about uh but these abilities right to often termed the charismatic gifts are one the word of knowledge two increased faith three the gift of healing four the gift of miracles five the gift of prophecy six the discernment of spirits uh, seven, the diverse kinds of tongues and speaking in tongues, right? So the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation of tongues. So we've heard of people talking in tongues. What do you know mm-hmm. of priests talking in tongues? I'm just curious because you grew up atheist. I just want to know what your... Okay. This is how atheist I am. Do you know what uh, my only experience in history with tongues is? was corn motherfucker oh nice band okay corn yep yeah the um lead singer speaks in tongues every but i didn't know that that was tongues when i heard it i was just out of nowhere he starts going yeah. and then it all starts like coming in it's, <laughs> yeah. it's awesome and i was like what the hell is that someone told me it was tongues i thought it was wicked and then i got told it was really dangerous and you could swallow your tongue which I don't think is real. That's not a thing. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, dude, I was, oh, okay. I was probably like seven. Okay, I was like, okay, I was yeah. Kid. No, I, I got you, I got you. Um, <laughs> that makes sense. Okay, so this and, is Paula, yeah, this is Paula White speaking in tongues. Um, and I just find this to be just absolutely hilarious. All right. Of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let every idol altar, let every false altar that has been erected, let it come down, let it be burned by the fire of God right now in the name of Jesus. Let every worship the Lord, worship the what, dude? Come on, she just went, worship the Lord. Dude, in the vibe, right, man? Dude, that is just oh man, that's got me going. She had rhythm to it. Dude, and what I fucking love about this video, and I want to do like a little bit of a like a you know, this is mainly an audio format, <laughs> but yeah. I just find this so funny. Is that like at the beginning of this video? This Paula White chick, who's a, a female priestess, uh, I guess is the best yeah. way to describe it. Um, she starts like talking about like the video starts with a dude just like walking around in the background. Yeah, with like he, he has like a coat in his arm and he's like reading from it. There's like a Mountain Dew on stage. Like, what is going on? How many people are there? <laughs> yeah, he's walking on the stage like he's supposed to be. Yeah. And there's like, there's just, there's just bits and bobs of shit just everywhere. Like people are standing, walking around. This doesn't seem like church. This seems like just like somebody with a microphone just babbling and people just milling about doing their own thing. Of Jesus, let every idol order, let every false order that has been erected, let it come down, let it be burned by the fire of God right now in the name of Jesus. Let every, yeah what is he doing dude okay that that how does she like she just goes straight in god damn it um she goes straight into like speaking in tongues and then within the same breath it just goes back straight to english like worship the lord worship the lord (laughs) but also hang on just when she starts she starts doing like the rapper, like the way she is. Like, she starts. She's her moving hands. her hands. Yeah, like she's in a she, cipher. She turns into Eminem. She just suddenly is just 
she's just suddenly like, ha 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 ha. With the real Jesus Christ, please stand up, dude. With the real, with the real Jesus Christ, uh huh, no more nah. <laughs> but she just goes into this speaking bullshit, and then just in the same breath, she's like, worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. For the Lord demands a worship right now. The Lord demands a worship right now. For your worship will rise above it. Your worship will rise above it. For your worship will rise above it. What's that guy doing? For your worship will rise above it. Your worship will rise above it. What's that? Someone needs to come get their fucking. Dad. <laughs> the dad's just walking around on stage during church. Dude, he's just he's back there. There's a guy on the synth. Like, what is happening? Wait, what's with these dudes at the front of the stage? Yeah, they're all just like kneeling in front. Dude, this is just wild shit. In Jesus' name, Brad. And he's wearing a Philadelphia t-shirt. Dude, come on. This guy just takes them. Dude. What the hell does this guy have to say? Okay, well, what fire is he about to drop? In Jesus' name. Come on, get up and start praying. Come on, get up. Get up. Come on, get up. Come get up. Come get up. Come get up. Come on, get up and get down with the sickness. I know she does like the the Jay Z like insecure laugh like Lord Name of Jesus The guy's still in the background Angelic forces, angelic reinforcement, angelic reinforcement, angelic reinforcement. Vika hata anda ata ora bata rata ande eke eke manda rasata. In the name of Jesus, hey hey, mama mata rabaka. Dude, you can tell she's like feeling it, man. Wait, what did she just say? Oh my God, something about someone's grandmother not dying. Okay, what the hell? Okay, so she right right here, you could tell that she's like vibing. She's like in a flow. She's like moving her body she's like a, a cobra, right? Yeah. Bobby, your grandmother will not die. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby, that's the guy's name. We didn't know that guy. Is that, is that is he just pacing around her until he gets a fucking answer? Uh, probably. <laughs> He's like, I just want to fucking know. Is she gonna die or not? And then this when lady. She <laughs> She's saying it out of frustration. She's just like, Bobby, your grandma's not gonna die. Back to it. <laughs> Dude. Jesus, hey, hey. Mama Matarabaka. Bobby, your grandmother will not die. She will come out right now in the name of Jesus. Come there out. will be no grief to you, Brad. You there will be no out. grief I'm in the gay. name of Jesus. Come on, worship. Let there be a 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 worship. In the name of Jesus. Come on, pray. Pray, pray, pray. Worship the Lord. 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 Chris. Every altar oh, no. is being broken down right now. Is being torn down. Oh no, Fraser! No, the spirit has overtaken you. 
Oh. <laughs> I mean, dude, like who who believes in that shit? You know what I mean? Dude, come like, on, who, man. Do you, the scariest thing about that is that those people were there watching her doing that are taking it seriously. And they those people vote. They shouldn't be allowed. They shouldn't be allowed to vote. <laughs> No, no. I mean, I, I don't know, it, it, dude. I, I just, I just think it's so easily bullshit. It's so easily bullshit, and yeah, to man. the point where I am so close to just like going out and like being in a, you know, a, you know, some sort of, you know, public area like a park or something like that. And I think I might be, able, I'm, I think I might be able to get a following. Yeah. Hundred percent. Just start. 100%. Just like worship the Lord, and then I'm gonna stand up on a like on one of those milk crates, <laughs> and I'm just gonna be like, "Bobby, your mom's not gonna die," and I'm just gonna like just point at random people, just so call them random crazy, names. Crazy, crazy predictions. Just <laughs> Bobby, so your mom, your grandma's not gonna die. You're gonna have a pug in a year and a Julie, half. And <laughs> you're gonna get that job. <laughs> your dog Little has Timmy, cancer. Little Timmy, your father's not returning. <laughs> your father hates you. Dude. Oh my god, I need to do that. <laughs> what that's such a random thing to say. It's like, Bobby, your grandma's not gonna die. <laughs> and she says it like fucking yeah. a game show host. Yeah. Bobby, your grandma's not gonna your die. Your grandma's not gonna die. Bing 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 bing. <laughs> Yes, points. Oh, my God. Dude. Okay. <clears throat> so, back to Wilfred Woodruff. Uh, he he was the guy who liked this idea of restorationism. Okay? Like, he mm-hmm. enjoyed the idea of hearkening back to a previous mm-hmm. time in which, you know, Christianity was, you know, pr- you know, practiced in the purest form and blah, 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 blah. Right? Puritans are also restorationist. Wilfred Woodruff... Like many of the early saints, practice plural Say marriage. Say that five times fast. <clears throat> Say that five times, five times fast. What? His name. Wilford Woodruff. Wilford Wood. Wilford Woodruff. Wilford Woodruff. Dude, talk about like you know twisting your mouth in unshapely forms. No. Um, why? What happened to him? He just he tried to say his name really quick. He, I, I don't know what happened. He's trying to. He's, he has a stutter and he's trying to say his name. I just. <laughs> Imagine if he had to stutter. Wilford Woodruff. Uh, my God. Wilford Woodruff. He's possessed. <laughs> Cast Satan we'll out of him. him. We'll just call him fucking Dan. <laughs> Dan, Dan. Okay, uh, like many other early saints, Wilford Woodruff practiced plural marriage. He was married to 10 women, but not at the same time. Uh, Wilford's first wife, Phoebe, initially stated that she thought it was, quote, the most wicked thing I ever heard of. Now, wicked has a couple of meanings. Was it wicked as in wicked evil or was it fucking wicked, wicked bruh? Fucking wicked, bruh. I think the latter. Yeah, she probably She's selling me on it. Yeah, you know what? I think that the 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 alternate meaning of wicked definitely had the same connotations as it did Back now then. as yeah, you know, 1837. Yeah, I mean that's just been there in the L dictionary. Yes. So I uh, I did a little little digging and a little bit of math um, with all of Wilford's wives. Um, so it said married to ten women. <clears throat> um, the first one was Phoebe Whittle or Whitmore Carter. Uh, 
um, Whittemore, uh, married in 1837. Uh, Wilford was 30, and Phoebe was 30 years old. Uh, his second wife came in, 14, uh, in 1846, uh, and he was 39, and Marianne Jackson uh, was 28. Sorry, Miss Jackson. Ooh. I am for real. Okay, so uh, Wilford was 39, and Marianne was 28, so there's 11, dear, 11 years difference. Uh, his third wife, Sarah Eleanor Brown, was married on August 2nd, 1846, but the, they divorced after three weeks. Uh, might have been because Wilfred was 39 and Sarah was 19. Um, not sure if that's actually what happened. But his fourth wife, uh, Mary Caroline Barton, was also married to him on August 2nd, 1846. A little double wedding action. D- also divorced after three weeks. Might have been similar to the other marriage because Wilfred at the time was 39 and Mary was 17. So, wait, hang on. He married two girls on the same day. Yep. Two women. On the same day. They're yep. over. They're around 18. We're going to say women. Yep. And they both divorced him at the same time as well. After three weeks. Yes. The, were these two sisters or were they? Uh, they were not sisters. No. The first one was Sarah Eleanor Brown and the second was Mary Caroline Barton. Um, his fifth wife, Mary Meek Giles Webster, was married to him on March 28, 1852, but died seven months after they were sealed. Wilford was 45 at the time, and Mary was 50. So, it's not like he has a thing for little women, or younger, not little women, not the book. Um, more so, like, he doesn't, he doesn't have a penchant for marrying young ladies, by that Man, standard. That, that's, that's keeping your options open. I right, mean, right. That's quite, a, quite an array. Again, if you're going to mock wives, get, get... Get all of them. Get all of them. Yeah. Um, sixth wife was... Uh, Clarissa Henrietta Hardy. They were born, or born, she was born in 1834, but married Wilford on April 20th, 420, blazed up, uh, 1852, but they divorced in 1853. It also might have been because Wilford was 45 and Clarissa was 18 at the time of their marriage. Emma Smith, uh, not to be confused with uh, Emma Smith as in uh, Joseph Smith's wife, Emma, um, was married to uh, Wilford on March 13th, 1853. Uh, he was 46 and Emma was 15. We're just going to skip over that really quick. Um, uh, stayed married. Stayed married to uh, Wilford. Um, 31-year right age gap between the two. Um, and uh, he also married Sarah Brown on March 13th, 1853. Wilford was 46 and Emma was 19 at the time. Or... Uh, Sarah was uh, 18 or 19 at the time. So he married two young women on the same day. Again, one of them was 15. The other was 19. One was 15. What, so what was the most amount of wives he had at one time then? Because they all seem to be coming and going. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how. So divorced after three weeks. So he had one, stayed there. Two stayed with him, three left, four left, five died, six divorced. So now he has three, four, five, five at one time. Six at one time. Um, so yeah, married Emma Smith and Sarah Brown on the same day. Emma was 15, Sarah was 19. And then he married uh, Sarah Delight Stocking on July 31st, 1857. Wilford was 50, Sarah was 19. Uh, 
And then his final wife, Eudora Young Dunford, married Wilford on March 10th, 1877. Wilford was 70 years old, and Eudora was 25. 45-year age gap. Hugh Hefner, man. Hugh Hefner. Like, this guy laid the path, and Hugh Hefner just rode on it. Really nailed it. Uh, On average... (laughs) So when you take into account all the different ages and all the different gaps and all that stuff, on average, excuse me, Wilford was just under 21 years older than every wife he ever married on average. Apart from the one that was older. Well, he married Phoebe and they were the same age. And then the other one was five years older. So I factored that into the math and stuff. So on average, he was older than all of them by about 21 years and one Two, three. Three of them were named Mary, and three of them were named Sarah. Guy has a type. He has a type. Guy has a type. The guy has a type. Okay, so those are Wilfred Woodruff's wives. Okay, mm-hmm. um, we're gonna fast forward a little bit uh, because uh, the reason why I wanted to talk about uh, Wilfred Woodruff in a little bit more of a detailed uh, space is because Wilfred Woodruff was the, uh, I think people are home. Um, Wilfred Woodruff was the president of the church who abolished polygamy. He himself was a polygamist and he wrote the 1890 manifesto, which officially ended the church support of plural marriage. After the manifesto was issued, judge Charles S. Zane stated that no further church property will be confiscated. So this is in the entire thing. And we talked about a little bit on the, um, um, on the on the podcast before with my dad and stuff like that but he uh yeah so basically in you know 1890 utah was looking to become a state and the federal government was like we're not going to grant you statehood unless you uh, abolish this crazy polygamy stuff that you're doing and so uh wilford woodruff wrote up a little document and abolished it and then utah became a state so uh this guy very very important figure in mormon history and uh, one of the missions that he served was in manchester england yeah, yeah. <laughs> quickly give an audible history. Set the scene of Manchester. Sure, give us set the scene for us. Hello, kids. Hello. That's it. <laughs> no, a fucking oasis. Um, today is gonna be, be the, the day. day that we're gonna mm-hmm. go back to mm-hmm. you. Okay, so Manchester. Uh, he. Uh, there was a general conference that was held in Manchester on the 6th of October in 1840, in which there, there were present six of the 12 apostles. This is crazy to have this many of the 12 apostles in one meeting at one time across 50%. the Atlantic Ocean. 50%. 50%. Yes. So those being Brigham Young, Heber C. Kimball, Willard Richards, or, or Orson Pratt, George A. Smith, and Wilford Woodruff. Presiding officers, and they just basically this is from uh, this is from Wilford Woodruff's uh, journal, and then this is Wilford uh, talking here. I left Manchester on the fourteenth of October to return to my labors in London, and on my way with Elder Alfred Corden, I visited the Staffordshire Potteries and Birmingham. My name with James Corden. We did perform (laughs) carpool karaoke. And they just sing Oasis. Champagne supernova. 
So he visited the Staffordshire Potteries and Birmingham. Um, on the 17th, I arrived in London where I found Elder George A. Smith, and we were glad to meet each other again. So they had this meeting with all the 12 apostles, then they all separated to go back to London, and then, then he reconvenes with this George guy. Um, we hired lodgings, board, and a sitting room at number 40 Ironmonger Row, St. Luke's. So he has the address. That's how meticulous this guy was. Address. All right, dude. Okay, hang on. All right. Give me that. Give me that again. Okay. I'm gonna look it up on Google Maps. I'm gonna see how far I am. Okay. From this place. So this is 40 Ironmonger Row, St. Luke's. Ironmonger Row. Oh, I do found it. It's an hour and a half away. Hour and a half, huh? Yeah. Yeah. St. Luke's Garden. Here we are. There's a church. All right. Yeah. All right. Cool. Anyway. Awesome. It's a real place. It is a we real just place. Confirmed it. It is a real place. Uh, next time, in, when I'm when I'm over in England next, we'll go there as a pilgrimage. We'll head up. We'll head up. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he goes to this place, number forty, Ironmonger Row. Uh, everything was costly. We found that with the greatest economy, we could not do with much less than a pound per week each. That's what they were living on, a pound a week. A pound a week. There it is. And that was, and this is in. 1840. That's a lot. That's a lot of money. A pound a week at 1840 in England? Yeah. I think that's quite a lot. Oh, all right. Well, the more you know. Carry on with the story. I'm going to look that up. Okay. Uh, What few saints there were in London were very poor and unable to assist us. Most of the means used in my labors in London was supplied by my converts in Herefordshire. Where is Herefordshire? Hertfordshire. Yeah, that's um that's that's a place. That is a place. All right. <laughs> it is a place. A place called I can't Hef- confirm that is a place. The the place called Hertfordshire. Um that sounds that, that's that's the sound that you make when there's when you take a bite of something and it's too hot. Where you're like Um, The prospect in London at that time was the darkest it had ever been since entering the vineyard, but the Lord was with us, and we were not discouraged. On Sunday, we met with the saints three times at Brother's Corners. At Brother Corners. Oh, Brother Corners. Okay. This guy named Brother Corner. Uh, Read the Book of Mormon, gave instruction, and broke bread unto them. We had a good time. All uh, that, That's what's so funny to me. He's like, we had a good time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> though there were only about half a dozen present, I felt the spirit bear testimony that there would be work done in London. So. In London. Having retired to rest in good season. So he feels good, right? He had a good night. He's with his bunch of his buddies. They, there's only maybe six there, but hey, just because there are six doesn't mean you can't have a rocking good time, Right. So mm-hmm. they're, they're talking Book of Mormon. They're breaking bread. They're doing all the things. Uh, so he's in good spirits. Uh, having retired to rest in good spirits, I fell asleep and slept until midnight when I awoke and meditated upon the things of God until 3 o'clock in the morning. Okay? That, to me, sounds like he just couldn't fall back asleep again. But he just wanted yeah. to sound good because he knew somebody would do a podcast about him later on in the future to make him sound that much better. And I disagree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I meditated on the things of God until three in the morning. It's like, no, you just couldn't go back to sleep until three. Uh, and well, we know what we know what Brady said about meditating. He's thinking of boobs. He's thinking of boobs. He's doing the booby meditation. He's like. <laughs> 
<laughs> He's having wet dreams. Um, and while forming a determination to warn the people in London and by the assistance and inspiration of God to overcome the power of darkness, a person appeared to me whom I consider was the Prince of Darkness. Aussie motherfucking Osborne. I am Iron Man. They went through Birmingham. They laid the seed. Ironmonger Row. Iron Man. Fucking. There we go. Yeah. So uh, the Prince of Darkness. So Ozzy Osbourne shows up to Wilfred Woodruff and he made war upon him. (laughs) This is what he says. Uh, so I, who I consider there was the Prince of Darkness. He made war upon me and attempted to take my life. <laughs> he made war. <laughs> That's such a weird he say to say. war. That's like another euphemism if you wanted to think what? about it that way. Well, yeah, why don't we come home and come over to my place so I can make some war on you. Um, yeah, bro. That's that's a, that's a classic Bros of Smith. Bros of Smith. Bros of Smith, dude. Somebody's like, yo, you want to come over so I can make war upon that body? Let's <laughs> make war upon that body. All right. And attempt to take my life. As he was about to overcome me, again, with the euphemisms, uh, mm-hmm. I prayed unto the Father in the name of Jesus Christ for help. Then I had I then had power over him, and he left me, though I was much wounded. Afterwards, three persons dressed in white came to me and prayed with me, and I was healed immediately of all my wounds and delivered of all my troubles. How okay. fucking convenient, right. dude. Okay, but at least this guy's being honest, right? He's <laughs> not honest, but he's, being, he's not being as eager to, because he's admitting that he, he was injured a little bit. You know, he wasn't as egotistical as the others who were like, yeah, they showed up and I was just like, be gone. <laughs> I one chopped the devil out of me. Going, He's like, yeah, they I was like, yeah, no. It's like, no, man, this guy, I couldn't, I couldn't overpower him, but then I outsmarted him and I killed him. <laughs> yeah. like, but what, again, with the same shit though, is like, I was immediate, like, I was much wounded. So what what were those wounds? Do you think so? Okay, so let's we've been talking about Show Satan. Us the scars. Yeah. Show us the scars. We've we've been talking about Satan. He prefers little kids. He prefer you know what I'm, we're talking about all this stuff. What mm-hmm. wounds does Satan inflict on good old brother Woodruff? What do you think? I'm thinking black eye. Okay. Black eye. Just a black eye. I feel like that's, that's a that's a that's a marker, right? Talk about mark of the beast, mar- right? Just a little quick little pop. Yep. Um, Like, I don't know, like, like, I don't know, fucking snap his kneecap. (laughs) You think he kneecapped him? Just fucking. Just out of anger, just. Fucking took a bat to his kneecaps. You know, I don't know what, I feel like Satan is like a little bit more of a, of a subtle type of injury. You know what I mean? Where he's like, he'll give you a black eye, but then he'll like tell you that your mom's fat to your face. And then he's like, I have some insecurities about that. And that's probably what it was. He was much wounded, but like emotionally, which is why those three people dressed in white. He said three persons. So I don't know which persons they were, um, but they were all dressed in white. Maybe he would do it that like every time they sat down, there was like a thumbtack underneath their seat. Like it would be like the devil would do something like that. So it's like a state of constant, like I want to sit, but. I can't because the fucking ah, ow, yeah. ow, fuck, dude. Yeah. That's that's Satan. That's what that's Satan, Satan would do. He wouldn't do like, yeah. man, I'm gonna like, you know, skin you alive, ha ha ha. Like that's way no, too right. over the top. 
wants to keep you in that like in Satan, that black mirror going crazy. Zone. Yeah, yeah. While Satan does have a penchant for the drama of things, I do think that he really enjoys the subtlety. He'll put thumbtacks on on your chairs. He's also yeah. the same kind of guy who puts flour in your hair dryer. You know, he he does like he does that kind of thing. You know, he's he's a little bit more of a of a prankster type of personality um, yeah. that makes you go insane. Um, so these three people showed up and uh, came to him and they prayed with him. And then all of a sudden he was healed of all of his wounds and delivered of all of his troubles. How fucking convenient that you could be like, oh, yeah, man, I had this altercation with the devil. He tried to possess me, tried to overcome me, but I was able to, with the through power of God, I was able to cast him out. Well, oh, no I way. Said, be <laughs> and this is that same thing. And now the thing that I just think is so fucking funny and so like, so in line with this type of logic is fucking Kenneth Copeland. You know of Kenneth Copeland, don't you? No. You don't? Oh, Fraser, you've seen this guy before, I promise. Um, Who the fuck's Kenneth Copeland? Oh, man. Okay. All right, screen share time. Uh, here we go. <laughs> uh, Kenneth Copeland is uh, the guy who uh, he made the video um, about the private jet and he's talking about how he uh, he he's defending. Never seen this guy before. You've never, never. seen this guy. Oh God. Never okay. Here we go. All right. So, in the you states, you've heard of Kenneth Copeland. You haven't heard of Kenneth Copeland. This is the okay. This guy is insane. I think this guy is just out of his brain. Um, he is worth two hundred seventy million dollars. Um, or something like that. This guy's very wealthy and he uses tax exempt status to basically just buy like luxury jets and private planes and like all this lavish spending habits, right? So this is him uh, and him and Jesse Duplantis defending their luxury private jets. Just friend me and Cruffalo Dollar were preaching. Had a glorious meeting. So I was, for lack of a better way to say it, I was spiritually high. I said, people yeah. were saved, yeah. touched and blessed. Got in the plane that God so graciously gave us. We fly. God gave him a plane. God gave him a plane. Okay, okay, okay. Wait, wait, wait. How can that person say that with a straight face? Well, Fraser, these people are out of their fucking minds. That's what you have to understand. And I, I, I've, I've said this to you plenty of times. We are not dealing with rational human beings. Okay? We are not. We are not. Mm. That, that's, that's something you have to keep in mind at mm. any juncture dealing with <laughs> the religious, you know, fervor that has taken over uh, a lot of people. Fine home. As I was going home, the Lord, real quickly, he said, Jesse, do you <laughs> He, really quickly, he said, Jesse? Like your he plane. He said, Jesse? Now, you know, I thought, Lord, real quickly, he said, Jesse, do you like your plane? Now, you know, I thought that's an odd statement. He gave And I, I said, motherfucker. Well, <laughs> I said, come again, God. <laughs> I no. said, what you ask me? I said, what you say, Jesus? Do you really like it? And I thought, well, yes, Lord. He said, then he said this, so that's it? I didn't know how to handle that. man. I went, what? He said, you're going to let your faith stagnate? And when he said that, that shocked me. I went, whoa, wait. I literally unbuckled my seatbelt on my plane. I stood up. Shocked. It shocked him. It shocked it him. Out there on my plane and I just... I it shocked me. I mean, he's describing how, uh, how he dealt with his shock. I mean, listen to this guy. That, that shocked me. I went, whoa, wait. I literally unbuckled my seatbelt, my plane, I stood up. My pilots looked right and said, do you need something? I said, no, no, I'm talking to God right now. 
And I was fully erect. And I was fully erect after <laughs> the guy, after Jesus told me and asked me if I enjoy my luxury private jet. I said, Lord, I love it. <laughs> and he went back to flying. I said, Lord, I don't think I was letting my faith stagnate. He said, so this is all I could ever do. I said, you want, you, you're trying to tell me something. He said, go to the book of Amos. So if you had the book of Amos, I want to read may, the scripture. May I interrupt right you yes, sir. I said, go to the book of Anus. The, go to the book of Anus. <laughs> <laughs> We're being so silly. Oh, so it's silly. Halloween. So silly. Halloween. I'm not on an airliner. No, sir. No way. Okay. I want to read the scripture. May I interrupt you there for a second? Okay, so this guy in the red shirt, that's Kenneth Copeland. This guy in the black leather jacket, fucking swagged out as fuck, uh, silver fox looking dude, that's Jesse Duplantis. These two guys are like televangelist supreme in the States, right? Mm -hmm. These guys are very, very wealthy, very, very famous uh, Christian preachers. Mm -hmm. You couldn't have done that on an airliner. No, sir. No way. Stand up and say, what'd you say, Lord? No. Okay, no, yeah. And the guy sitting over there saying, what the hell does he think he's doing? <laughs> you can't do you that. You can't do that. No, no. That, this, this is so important. And this is where you solidify just the bonkers attitude of Christian, like, ulti, like not just Christian blanket statement. I'm talking about really intense, really like out of the fucking woodwork level of belief system in Christianity. And those of you that are, that are just now coming into these things, um, in, in the first place, Jesse and, 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 and I and, and others, Keith Moore and Creflo and all of us, they, the world is in such a shape. We can't get there without this. That's right. We've got to have this. We would have the mess that the airlines are in today. I would have to stop. I'm being very conservative at least 75 to 80, more like 90% of what we're doing, because you can't get there and from here. It's impossible. So we, we ha and, and this was such a good illustration. I just and he's like, I'm being conservative here. 90% of the time, I have to use my private jet. I have to use it in order to do my thing as preacher, as God's mouthpiece on this planet. I have to make sure that I have my own private jet. That's what he's saying. Just, I mean, you've uh, got uh, to. Yeah, you have to. Impress me. That's why we're on that airplane. We can talk to oh, God. Glory we to can, God. We, it's, we, it, it's when I was flying for Oral Roberts, the uh, brother Deweese, my, my mm -hmm. boss on the airplane, he said, now, Kenneth, this is sanctuary. It protects the anointing on, on uh, uh, Brother Roberts. Roberts. And he said, said get that finger away from my face, boy. <laughs> Because when I he's on the smell meeting, my finger. I said, boy, now, Oral, <laughs> I don't want to smell no finger. I don't want to smell that finger. Now get that shit away from me. You fly airlines. Right. But it, even back mm -hmm. there then, man, mm -hmm. it, it got to the place where it was agitating his spirit. Sure. People coming up to him. He right. had become famous and they wanted him to pray for him. Bitch, and all that. you got to get you, away from me. <laughs> there is a pandemic. <laughs> there's okay. There's another video of him where he claims that he cured the pandemic, dude. So fucking funny. Cured the pandemic. Oh, dude, you need to go on a deep YouTube dive with Kenneth Copeland, and you'll be fucking impressed with the level of bullshit that he believes. He says, man, it's so fucking funny. 
So right now he's describing like, you know, it's, it's really hard to be on a regular normal airline because everybody is coming up to you and being like, oh man, can you pray for me? And he says, it agitates your spirit, right? This is what he said. Manage that today. Right. The, this dope filled world. Right. And get in an air, get in a long tube with a bunch of demons. Right. That's exactly. The and it, it's deadly. And, and it works on your heart. It really does. So I, anyway, um, I wanted to make that clear so the devil can't lie to you and say, see there, them preachers spending yeah. all that money, just, just fat cats riding around. No, we're not. We're in business. Do Listen. You're doing it, I Kenneth. can scratch my flying itch. Tell them about your my itch. My little single engine, open cockpit airplane. Right. I just come home, fly around in that, and scratch my flying itch. That doesn't have nothing to do with that. But right. we're, in, we're, in, we're in soul business here. Right. We, we got a dying world around us. Just, we got a dying nation around us. That's right. And we can't even get there on the And you, ca you can't. Let, let me give you an example before I read the scripture. If, some people say, why do you... Okay, so he called everybody who flies normal demons. Did you see that? <laughs> so he's, that was... ta he's talking about demons. demons. You, you can't. You, you can't manage that today. Right. The, this dope-filled world. Filled with dope. This dope-filled world. Just fucking 420. Fucking blaze it up, dude. I'm all about it. We need to we need to be able to smoke weed on airplanes. That's it. Right. And get in an airplane. calm. In, yep. In a long tube with a bunch of demons. Right. <laughs> a bunch of demons. Fucking bunch of demons. Right, dude. Okay. And... The reason why I wanted to bring this guy up is because he is just so far gone with logic. Uh, that guy is, he's drank the whole Kool-Aid. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> he does this, uh, he does this thing where he's talking about, uh, you know, talking about the wind of God um, and yeah. how the wind of God is able to... Uh, <laughs> to cast out the the COVID nineteen, um, and uh, this guy on TikTok, I find him to be just so funny. He does. Yeah, the uh, dude that plays the solos. I think I've seen this guy. Before. This guy is so awesome. So he's uh he's <laughs> he did he made this remix video of uh, Kenneth Copeland uh, talking about how he's casting out uh, the pandemic from America. Judgment right now. Because we in have. In the name of Jesus. Oh, Standing in the office of the prophet of God, I execute judgment on you, COVID 19. Oh. I execute judgment on you, Satan. You destroyer. You killer. You get out. You break your power. You get off this nation. I demand judgment. So good. I call you dog on. You come down from your place of authority, destroyer. You come down and you crawl on your belly like God commanded you when He put His foot on your head in the garden of Eden. You will destroy through COVID 19. No 
And I think that, <laughs> dude, I think that there is something to be said, and there's a reason why these preachers are able to like really get people amped up and going because there is there is a musicality and like this rhythm to how they do it, right? It's preacher talk, yeah, like you get it, yeah. like there's this thing. But dude, when you like set it to metal music, it's just so fucking just, dude, it's awesome. Down the COVID, the COVID, <laughs> dude. And another one that I I I just have to watch. It's just so good. He talks about he's he's blowing away COVID, like he's literally like, <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. Today, COVID go away. We speak to this atmosphere from the state of Washington. Represent. Represent. From Southern California to Brownsville, Texas. So specific. Dude, look at his face. I had to pause it right there. Like, look at that face, dude. Oh, do you, do you, do you know what that face is? You know that face? Wait, hold it. See if you can get this up. Because it is Halloween. Goosebumps. The haunted mask, that face right there looks identical. Goosebumps, the, the haunted, haunted mask. The haunted mask, my dude. The best one, in my opinion. <laughs> Look at this shit. That is the haunted mask. Oh, dude, you need to do them side by side and put it on Instagram. <laughs> oh, dude. All right. Yeah. Dude, wait, okay, right. Look at the haunted masking. Right? Look wait, at that right there, right? Okay, now, which one? Go back. The one I said, right, right, right. Well, yeah, these ones and that one, yeah. Right there. Look at them. Oh man. And then, and then now go back to the video. <laughs> Dude, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> Oh, uh, exactly that is so funny, dude. Look at that. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. It does look like the haunted mask. just goes COVID-19 COVID-19 <laughs> he had backup singers dude oh man so cool. dude I, I love this man in, in, all the, in all the worst ways I just want him to just have all of the fun because it is so entertaining to just watch that guy the fucking haunted mask 
Um, Man, but don't, they, they look identical. They look so similar. I will definitely put that on Instagram. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so uh, we're going to round this out because uh, we're talking about, you know, a bunch of Mormon stories about how they've been possessed by demons and, and you know, Joseph Smith, Broseph Smith, Wilford Woodruff, Newell Knight, you know, Harvey Whitlock, all these dudes. Um, and uh, so what do the Mormons actually believe? Right. Let's talk about that. In section 129 of the Doctrine and Covenants, uh, these are instructions given by Broseph Smith in the prophet or jo- Broseph Smith, the prophet. Um, in Nauvoo in February 9th, 1843, making known three grand keys by which the correct nature of ministering angels and spirits may be distinguished. Um, there are both resurrected and spirit bodies in heaven. Uh, keys are given whereby messengers from beyond the veil may be identified. Okay, so this is a very short uh, section, so I'm going to read the whole thing. So this is Doctrine and Covenants 129. This is on the churchjesuschrist.org website. Okay, this is according to the Mormons. Okay, so this is Bros of Smith talking. I should just read this in like a little like bro accent. <clears throat> go on, go on. There are, you can do it. There are two kinds of beings in heaven. Namely, angels who are resurrected personages having bodies of flesh and bones. For instance, Jesus said, bro, <laughs> handle me and see me for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. Secondly, the spirits of just men made perfect, they who are not resurrected, but inherit the same glory. Fucking sick. When a messenger comes to you saying he has a message from God, offer him your hand and request him to shake hands with you, bro. Just fucking dap him up, bro. And if he be an angel, he <laughs> will do your fist and want him to touch fist, bro. Fucking sick. If he be an angel, he will do so and you will feel his hand. If he be the spirit of a just man made perfect, he will come in his glory. And to be honest, I come in glory all the time. She's my girlfriend and she's great. No condoms. Don't wear those. And I come in here all the time. For that is the only way that I can appear. (laughs) Ask him to shake hands with you, but he will not move. Because it is contrary to the order of heaven for a just man to deceive, and he will still deliver his message. If it be the devil... As an angel of light, when you ask him to shake hands, he will offer you his hand and you will not feel anything. You may therefore detect him. These are the three grand keys whereby you may know whether any administration is from God. (laughs) So basically, I know that was super silly and ridiculous, but basically Joseph Smith tells people, because they're like, okay, so how do we know if all these spirits that are coming in are good or bad? And he's like, don't don't worry, guys. I got the plan. (laughs) And so he just goes... Offer to shake their hand, and if dude, that's the secret to, to success, dude. You got you have to have a strong, firm handshake. You know what I mean? <laughs> you gotta be strong and firm, man. <laughs> so basically, Joseph says, shake hands with them, and if you can feel their hand, that means they're of God. And if they refuse to shake your hand, they're also of God. But if they if that you offer to shake their hand and they do shake your hand, but you can't feel their hand, that means it's the devil. Oh, dude, dude, I literally have a story about this. Okay. This is fucking funny. It's very, very, very quick. I was one time, a friend of mine, she started seeing this dude, right? He came along to come out with me and my friends. I shook his hand. It was the worst handshake I have ever... It was weird. It felt... Just as you said, it's like I was shaking the dude's hand 
but it's like I couldn't feel his hand. It was almost like it was just like soft and tight. It was terrible. And then literally like five minutes later, some more of my friends come in, they shake his hand and I see, watch every single one of their faces as they shake his hand, their faces just kind of drop and kind of go like, like, what's the worst handshake I've ever experienced? It's, and it still haunts me. It still haunts you. And and that is such a good way of explaining it. How you just did where it's like, if you could shake their hand, you can't feel their hand. So this dude, he didn't stare out long. He was the devil. Fucking you, dude. Damn. Man, the signs were there. The signs were there. You shook you shook hands with the devil. Was someone speaking through me? I don't know, but man, if if that's what shaking hands with the devil feels like. Oh my god. Consider me friends with the devil. <laughs> I'm not friends I'm, with him. So I mean we are wearing like Constantine vibes right now. Have you seen that Keanu Reeves movie? So dope. Such a great movie. Um Or do we look like the men in black? I thought that as well. Yeah, we kind of. Yeah, we would have to. We have to wear some black suits. I don't have a. I don't have a black suit. Um, last thing. That's not it. That's not all. I have one more okay. thing that I have to show you because you mentioned that aren't all these people just on acid? Yes. Okay. That's well, what we're thinking. I uh, I found a, an, an interesting piece that was presented at the Sunstone Symposium in August of 2007 by a guy by the name of Robert T. Beckstead. Okay, oh, and this is a, this is a, not so much a scientific study. I wouldn't call it that, but there is a little bit, and I'm not going to go be able to go through all of it because it's honestly extremely dense. Um, but basically, this guy Robert T. Beckstead purports the idea. Excuse me that hallucinogens probably maybe played a role in facilitating Joseph Smith's visions and those of the early Mormon converts. Uh, there have been uh, carefully documented, uh, or by this guy, uh, he references the 1975 book Hearts Made Glad. Uh, this guy, Lamar Peterson, uh, who wrote the book, carefully documented the use of intoxicants by Joseph Smith and early converts in the LDS church. While mostly interested in the consumption of various fermented and distilled alcohols, Peterson also noted strange behaviors associated with the sacramental use of what seemed to outside observers to be medicated wine. It appears that soon after the church was organized in New York and later in Ohio, members partook of wine in sacrament meetings, which occasioned visionary states and strange behaviors not typically associated with alcohol consumption or intoxication. This sounds like absinthe. Okay. It is my thesis that at the beginning of the young age, Joseph Smith experimented with psychedelic plants and that many of Joseph Smith's revelations and much of his behavior can be attributed to the use of these psychedelics. Following Joseph Smith's death, the pragmatic Brigham Young had no interest in psychedelic material or was unaware of its use and hence did not become a part of Utah Mormonism. However, James Strang and and Frederick M. Smith, Joseph Smith's grandson and president of the RLDS Church, uh, if you want to have a really awesome quick little deep dive into the Strangites, uh, it's very cool. They basically conquered an island and he named himself King. Uh, Pretty crazy. Um, This guy uh, perpetuated the use of psychedelics in their branches of Joseph Smith's original movement. Uh, The use of psychedelics by the Strangites and the RLDS Church could not be sustained. 
but he references the first vision. He references a lot of these other things. Um, and he basically says, well, I mean, we'll think about it. Like, can you have peyote in upstate New York? Well, a lot of the Algonquin Indians, shamans uh, inhabiting the region from the Atlantic seaboard running north and east through central Canada uh, and south to the Ohio River are known to have used the Dotura plant and Amanita muscaria mushrooms uh, in their religious ceremonies. Uh, Amanita muscaria is the typical toadstool-looking mushroom, white stalk, red cap with white flakes on it, right? Um, and peyote has been obviously numerous, like documented in crazy amounts about its you know psychedelic effects and its use in you know religious ceremonies and all that stuff. Um, but the thing that he does that I think is really kind of cool uh, is he goes through four different reporters and goes through like he describes or basically gleans off of their experiences like symptoms of using psychedelics. So the first and most important, Brose of Smith. Uh, he describes in his first vision to be bound hand and foot in change as, you know, immovable as a stick of timber. Uh, he's getting on the stumps of trees and shouting, pursuing balls like. Again, this is getting sexual again. Flying in the air and he's like jumping off a cliff and like all this stuff. Insanity. Uh, he, you know, he had like the swelling of the tongue, right? Dehydration. Mm. You know, you can't mm -hmm. talk and, you know, anybody who's done any sort of psychedelics can tell you that there's a, mm -hmm. there's a certain point, depending on how much you take, where you just can't really say much. Ooh, right. That's um, just not working. Yeah. So, the I mean, connection to your brain, to your mouth just suddenly doesn't have a use anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's like 1839 incapacitation, uh, you know. He's talking about the thick darkness, like coming over him, right? Uh, and it wasn't my juicy ass. It was probably because his di his pupils got dilated and his vision got blurry, right? And a decrease in vision, ah. um, anxiety, and strange visuals. Duh, tongue felt swollen and stuck to the roof of the mouth, right? Dry mouth. We already had that. Uh, heard strange <laughs> sounds, auditory hallucinations, withdrawal from physical sensations, brilliant light, psychodramatic. To, I mean, dude, all of the stuff that you experience when you're going through a bad trip and a good trip were experienced. So, Chris, have we just solved this mystery? I think that this guy, this Robert T. Beckstead, is really, really on to something here. I really think so. I'm no expert. I am not educated in this in the slightest. But as I'm sitting right now in my comfy little armchair, wearing my lovely little shirt and tie, talking to you today, I want to believe so bad that Joseph Smith and the entire movement of Mormonism stemmed from Joseph Smith tripping his motherfucking balls off. And that's it. And you know it. That's it. Out. This has been the Polygonometry Halloween special. Good night. Good night, bitches. Uh, 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 uh.